This is Horns Up. I'm Animesh. And I'm Peter. And today we are chatting with Denmark's Mull. Mull? Yeah. I got that right, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually got it right at the first time. Mull. Yeah. <laughs> We've got the band's vocalist Kim with yeah. us. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Nice to How meet you. How are you doing? I'm doing quite fine. <laughs> I'm uh, actually not at home right now. I'm, uh, I'm at um, uh, my uh, father's sister. Um, and I used to... I just went from my grandparents down in, uh, in the southern part of uh, Fyn. That's a, an island in the middle of Denmark. I have some time off from work um, to see my grandparents. And, uh, and tomorrow I'm doing an interview in Copenhagen. So, And then I have the time to talk to you guys. Really nice to uh, <laughs> meet some, some of you from uh, the southern hemisphere uh, down in Mumbai. Yes, exactly. It's the yeah. place where the seasons don't change as much. Yeah, as, yeah, yeah. of course, not as dramatically. But uh, that's why I'm, you have more happy music than we do. <laughs> that's why. That's why we have Bollywood, right? True. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there must be something about the weather in Bollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And the colors, right? Don't forget. Oh, the yeah, colors. Yeah. Well, uh, have you seen our our shirts? Like we like colorful shirts as well. Oh yeah, that that actually was surprised me about like the latest press pictures, right? Mm. And uh, it's I'm, deliberate. You know, okay, because you know there's deliberate? nothing because there's nothing more provocative nowadays to do something that contradicts people's uh, expectations of what, how you can dress as a black metal band, for example. Uh, metal are some of the most conservative people I know. Yeah, it's so weird, right? I mean, just before this call, Peter and I, we were chatting about this band called Party Cannon. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen that logo? No. No, you haven't? I uh, want you to do this right now if you can. Okay. Yeah. Google okay. Party Cannon logo. <laughs> okay. You have to do it. And, and they're releasing a new song, apparently, which is called? Wait, I have the video here. It's called I Believe in Danny Filth. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my. Wow. And now that's, imagine... You no, know, that's fucking edgy nowadays. You know, if you have that Toys R Us font. Uh... <laughs> so, so, so here's the thing, right? And it's a small aside. But the reason why they get so much attention yeah. is it's now they're a slam this, death yeah. metal band. Now imagine uh, you see all these barely decipherable yeah. logos and then you have Party Cannon right in the I, middle. I love it. I love it. <laughs> see see there's there's something about that you know it's really on the nose and, and doing something just the opposite of what people expect that's that's actually pretty punk i i have to bring this up and considering yeah. i'm talking to you yeah, yeah, yeah. you guys right i mean i get not it. too long ago everyone was up in arms when a black metal band released a cover with pink on it right which was legible font <laughs> mm-hmm. so that that's crazy just how things have changed and in a way it's kind of become acceptable right i mean like mm-hmm. people get party cannon they get the mm-hmm. vibe that it's going to be yeah fun. and people also get the uh, eskimo cowboy you know so do you but, think do you think there's like do you think there's a need for metal artists to keep pushing the envelope in that manner i think in some sense because you can kind of get get stuck in some um in some rut where uh, I think the culture kind of, it, 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 you know, preys on itself. Uh, it just becomes more and more secluded and, and you know, there will always be elitists, you know. Um, yeah, purists and elitists. 
Yeah, and, and I don't I don't think you necessarily do anything good for the scene in that sense. One thing is that you know doing it to provoke, but we also like colorful clothes, so it's kind of like why not? Like yeah. like it, it's 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 sticking in and up in in there, right? So I think the best uh, description of, of our band was I th- I think it was nasty glitter. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that was pretty on point. Um, that's the vibe that we want to get give off in some sense. Wow! Uh, really nasty glitter. Yeah, yeah that, that's the first I've heard of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I've like I, I wouldn't I wouldn't put that those two words together to to I mean, uh, especially after hearing your music, mm. nasty glitter is aren't really the two words that I would use as adjectives. I mean, that, that could describe like Motley Crue at one point. Or we were talking like Cinderella. <laughs> but... yeah. yeah. Well, I heard that one. And then the, the other phrase, uh, I think there was uh, one of the big newspapers in Denmark said uh, mm-hmm. something about, uh, do you want a, you know, a charcoal uh, uh, flush eye, uh, fl- f- f- what's it called? Uh, candy floss. I, uh, you know, a charcoal, charcoal candy can- floss. Candy floss, yeah. <laughs> That, that's like quite specific. That's metal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Charcoal candy floss is is metal. But but like candy black colored candy floss is fucking awesome. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it would be cool. It's it's about juxtapositioning, right? Um, yeah, it is. Yeah, I think uh, that's what's pretty provocative, and I think that's what pushing the envelope. But it's also a test of people's uh, ability to see see beyond the uh, the facade. And uh, recognize either songwriting, like I think Nikolai has written some really, really good songs, um, uh, and uh, it's melody that that you know conjures images into my mind that I mm-hmm. just can so easily relate to, and kind of gives me a sense of uh, like it, it's it's actually somewhat easy to put feelings and experiences into that music. Mm. So. I see that as a, as a actually pretty quintessential. So if people can look beside, you know, be behind that front, that you know, that is the industry nowadays. To be honest, right? Um, if you can look be be beyond, uh, like the brassness of a lot of uh, hardcore bands, you can also see a lot of vulnerability and a lot of like pain being uh, beneath that. Um, so I think it's it's an, it's about not uh, judging a book by its cover. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something draws you in, but it ultimately it's the quality of the pro, uh, of the of the art that you get that gets you uh, to a place where you can kind of appreciate it more uh, because mm-hmm. you have given it time to kind of seep in and infect in some sense. Uh, you know, for us, I know there's a lot of true really true edge lords out there that uh, are kind of shameful maybe to hear it, it, you know it might be a guilty pleasure for some okay. that's one of the so that's one of the reasons why like but but that's what, because i know that there are really strong feelings regarding black metal especially in the in the more scandinavian countries mm-hmm. um i've had there was there was one guy who was kind of um on a forum that that wrote something that I was culturally appropriating uh, Viking Norwegian uh, culture. Really? 
and I'm my my mother she's from South Damn, Korea. Damn, then then we then then Peter and I should be cancelled because as Indians who don't have yeah. any any like any say about metal, right? It's not in our roots yeah. at all. It's not our language. But you connect with <sighs> the feeling, right? So exactly. You know, yeah. uh, so I think you know genres will be always there's always be you know people who will kind of. Um, have their opinion or also because of the culture that evolves around it mm-hmm. or the cult following or, you know, then it's not specifically about the music, but more about um, the expression in general or how, who I want to be identified uh, yeah. with. Um, and that's also, I think that's one of the beautiful things about metal because there's a lot of tribalism in some sense that are it kind, is. That's it's, kinda, it is. Yep. there's not a lot of community the right yep. there. Yep. Uh, but sometimes the community can the community can kind of um, you know there's a lot of gatekeeping uh, going yeah, on. Yeah, for sure. I mean that that's been one of the biggest problems, right? I mean, like right now there's a lot of talk about you know why what, there aren't a lot of women in metal, and mm-hmm. there's been so much chatter that you know women don't feel welcome at gigs because the moment they're at a gig. There's someone asking them, okay, name five songs by this band whose T-shirt you're wearing or whose concert you're attending. <laughs> or it's like, oh, are you like the girlfriend of mm. you know somebody in the band? That's why you're there. And yeah, th- the name is- five songs, but doesn't just happen to women. Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think <laughs> like <laughs> it's happened to me. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah, really. Like, yeah. uh, so I I really like Sebastian back, right? Uh huh. I got into Sebastian Bach largely because of his own album Angel Down, and then after that, mm. started listening to Skid Row. Mm, so yeah. in those days, I would relate more to Angel Down and Sebastian Bach solo work rather than Skid Row. And mm-hmm. so when I said that, hey, I think Sebastian Bach is a better vocalist than Axl Rose. Yeah. Yeah. At that time, somebody was like, "Oh, you think so? Oh, uh, name the Skid Row <laughs> album that you heard." <laughs> Name yeah. five songs. Show, from show this you album. that you're a I'll, 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 fan. I'll prove. I'll prove that Axl Rose is a better vocalist just by the mere fact that he sings on songs. Whatever, man. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, there will always be nerds out there that kind of you know likes to you know dissect music like that. I used to be like that in my teens, mm-hmm. um, but I think you get to a point where it's kind of like you just focus on especially when you work with songwriting you 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 focus on you know what works like yeah what what can contribute to something that makes a good song doesn't have to be something that's like brand new or really revolutionary but you know i think quality recognizes quality in some sense i'm going to just hark back to something that you said and that was about books being judged by their covers right mm-hmm. and a mental note I made in my mind when you first said that was, do you think Mull gets judged uh, as something that it's not supposed to be or most, that something it's not? Most definitely. Um, at least for, you know, when you see, uh, you know, comments on Twitter that are like, you know, ha, huh, look at those shits. No, thanks. Like, you know, they don't Does that know. bother you? Nah, it doesn't. Like, you know, if you're if you're you know maybe it's not for you like if you're you know if you're so 
caught up in how people look like you know maybe you know you're missing out like it, it, we can't help but poke a little bit fun at 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 people's uh, pre uh, preconceived notions yeah. exactly yeah. yes mm. um and like a lot of the the concept for some of our mu- music videos are also like really uh, connected to that like the for instance the video uh, for surf mm-hmm. um, ken and i we helped uh, direct some of those uh, with our great uh, video videographer chris uh, tobias Scavenius. and um i was really adamant about like we have to do it in this format like portrait mode it's really important for me so like all of the stuff had to be like positioned like that and filmed like that and um because I sent him references of another video uh-huh. by um, an artist called John Mark Macmillan. It's totally different music, but he has a song called um, Wilder Love. Okay. Go look it up at one point. Yep. Uh, it's an amazing video, an amazing video uh, and an amazing song as well. But that everything is, you know, it's built into that format. You know, that was actually before TikTok became such a big thing or like everything was kind of like portrait mode, right? Uh, and stories for, for, for that sake. But I just like that the uh, that the way that everything in the shot is is directed or made to fit in to that. To fit that format. I, I, I like that. But yeah, at the if same it's executed time... well, like I'm a guy who makes videos too at mm. one. That was one of the things that I do. So do to get that kind of a format right, it takes it takes effort. It takes a lot mm-hmm. more effort than than shooting it normally. Yeah, and we didn't think about it as TikTok format until we saw the YouTube <laughs> comments actually. Um <laughs> that's, we, that's we shitty. Didn't. That's just that's just people bitching because they have nothing better to do. Yeah, like, oh, I would love to hear that song in horizontal, man. Uh, like, you, <laughs> you know, you, you you can't please everyone, right? There's always see, be... see, I'm, see, that's that's the thing. Like, the jokes on them. Yeah, the jokes on them. Because um, that whole video is actually about how we dress up things to fit a specific format. To, you know, uh, the lyrics says uh, uh, changing colors. Symbolic rights with no meaning, changing colors. <laughs> you know, it's just another system. It's just another prison. It's just another. Uh, you know, you think you think you're changing. You think you're doing. You can be, you know, misguided by the spectacle. You can get sucked into that. But you know, it's just a front. It doesn't mean anything. You know, people will get it if they get it, and if they don't, you know. Let, let's talk album. I mean, because mm-hmm. we're here to talk about uh, Diorama, right? And you said like you're doing press. Uh, in Copenhagen and already I mean the album's been out just over a month but mm-hmm. already a couple of publications have put you as the best album of the year already how, how does it feel I mean like considering you know your work it's been like three years since George right mm. how does it feel like just reading some of the press we can kind of still feel kind of I I know that we all feel kind of baffled and still kind of surprised I know that we know that we do like songwriting and uh nikolai is uh i'm really sorry that he isn't here because 
because like he's one of the main reasons why things like really function on a really deep level like i mm -hmm. think the, the base if we could say like the base level of, of quality really comes from his way of structuring songs and also writing melodies that carries from one theme into the other and it seems seamless even though that things might not work in theory like practically it's just presented like uh, coherently mm -hmm. that's one of the things that i really adore about his songwriting but at the same time you know there's always everybody said we're all like oh yeah it's a sophomore album man it's gonna be so fucking hard <laughs> uh, actually that that's kind of what i wanted to bring up right yeah like if, if, i think <laughs> just trying to uh put everything aside everybody's expectations uh and focus on I think your was really most much for me a focus on uh, my outlook in about the world. Like we're ending mm -hmm. up in the ground someday, a pretty existential, pretty hard subject. And and for me, this was you know instead of a movement outward, it was actually a movement inward. I think that comes across from a lot of other interviews that I've done. Right. Um, so I think at the same time there's also on the songwriting side like nikolai just has a really nikolai and ken has a no they they know what they're doing uh, mm -hmm. they're really good at working together and when i when i you know sometimes open get, get invited into that uh, couple's <laughs> therapy um like uh you know they're they are not saying words they're just yeah look and you can't understand shit like <laughs> they they speak a different language and they know exactly what each other means so i re i remember once they were like yeah yeah come during one of our writing sessions and i was invited into a skype call and they were speaking gibberish man um, <laughs> and uh so usually i'm the one who gets called when they're really upset and really can't uh, figure so, out so, which so part the you're the therapist in this <laughs> sometimes <laughs> but also kind of the judge and the jury because um when uh, when it's about are we going for this piece or are we going for this piece and then mm -hmm. i don't know who has offered one or the other uh, but when i say oh yeah that one that's clear that one you know i can just see that big big ass grin on one of them and the other's like damn <laughs> Damn so I know, <laughs> so I know somebody won. Um, yeah. But um, you know, humor aside, like I, I know that they've they have like years of experience of writing with each other. Um, so there's just a lot of foundation that's put on that. I know Merle will not exist if if it was not for that songwriting. So a base level of of quality, you know, song structures and songwriting. That's you know, that's what we're like focused on. Yeah. So coming back to that question about the sophomore album when and expectations, like I think this year or a year ago this time we were like, yeah, this is never gonna be just as good as as as, as you are. Maybe uh, I think that was our expectation. But I know with Ken, that's a deliberate thing. Like he does, like he always downplays stuff. Like, yeah, it's shit. Like it's really. <laughs> like, and plus, at yeah. that point in time, I mean, it happens to everyone, right? You're yeah. you're so co you're so close to what you're creating 
that it just loses its magic until you come back to it and you listen mm-hmm. to it and you go like yeah this is actually see that's the bad. thing about about re-experiencing you know Nikolai can have been worked on a melody for like two fucking war, uh, two two fucking years, and then he presents it, and he feels that it's really fucking old. And mm-hmm. I listen to it, and it's like, yeah, that's it, man. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like the biggest fan, you know, when when I get to, you know, listen to some of these demos for the first time. Mm. So in some sense, I'm I'm kind of also contributing to to something that's. You know, I think we're all contributing to something that's bigger than us ourselves. Hmm. What did you guys want to like, kind of um, achieve with uh, Diorama? I don't know if "achieve" is the right word, but um... I think that 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 depends on 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 what which perspective you. you I'm not you looking use. at it from a sales point of view or from a hmm. you know how this will help you possibly get more tours or. Even even if it's the 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 fact is that this is on a big label for you guys, right? Mm. So that's that's clearly a jump that was made. But leave all that aside. Let's talk mm. about the music. Mm. Uh, what did you guys want to musically achieve with the I diorama? F- I know, you know, I'm kind of speaking for Nikolai here, right? But I know that he wanted to evolve the sound into something that's even more coherent and you know more willfully direct and really well well refined mm-hmm. um, one of the things that he wanted to do differently from your was actually a lot of the guitar work to put more emphasis on the layers and to put more emphasis on um, like there was you know, your was a really great production, but there's a lot of uh, nuances uh, from the guitar work that's just way more refined, in, in my opinion, on this one. But that I is, agree with you. Uh, that is because of Tour Messen. Like he has, he has just so many years of experience, and we can just we can hear that um, his way of working with the guitars is just pretty quintessential. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that for a fact that Nicola he just loved working with Tua because uh, they really got experimenting a lot and they were like yeah you know brainwaves <laughs> sometimes it, it just uh, they they syncopate like they're, they're, and um, you know it's way more it's way more organic it's way more vibrant it's it's stretching like the sound stretches there's constant and, push and pull happening yeah, it's exactly. so dynamic it's so I mean, this is something that Peter and I were discussing before this interview began that, Mm -hmm. you know, there's this, there seems to be this word that's followed you guys around ever since we started hearing your music on a global level, right? Which is the word black gaze. And then Mm -hmm. you have black metal and you have shoe gaze, all of that. Um, It's very weird, but, you know, I, I would, I would actually use the words hardcore and post hardcore and I think those are the kind of words that describe the sound on Diorama better than black gaze and shoe gaze and black metal as such. I mean, obviously, full, uh, not... But that's uh, because post-hardcore and post-rock actually comes from shoe gaze. Like, yeah, it, in a way. In a way, they do, definitely. Um, there's some sense on, you know, um, you know, it's more broader strokes. 
Uh, yeah. I think uh, if you're putting in like an algorithm, on, there's there's broader strokes of of melody that kind of gets you know small intricate patterns, but it's it's texture. Um, yep. That that's yep. the key word. It's 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 actually feeling. That's one of the key differences between a lot of this atmospheric music and a lot of progressive like um, music. Yeah, I think that's I think that's pretty bang on. But there's 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 one thing that that. There's another really like weird point for me personally, and um, on Yord, mm-hmm. what attracted me to Yord more was the instrumental version of that album. Mm-hmm. Is 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 there going to be an instrumental version of Diorama? Do you think it'll work as a pure instrumental album? I yep. think so. Um, really, but but in some sense. Mm, I, I couldn't do it in my head vocalist. I couldn't do it yeah in my head I couldn't do it like for me for me the vocals on Diorama definitely need to be there yeah because yeah. the vocals weirdly are the things that like you know you would normally say most uh, most reviewers etc say and the, the adage is that you know it's the bass or the drums that's holding the entire album together the ideas together for me it's the vocals yeah I'll actually correct myself in that regard because I know that I've been working way more on the vocals on this one um, and uh, not necessarily deliberately like uh-huh. trying to put yeah, more yeah, emphasis yeah. but yeah. but but um, just challenging myself on like for instance the clean parts um, that's something where I felt I could contribute to the atmosphere in a way better sense and underline the um the uh yeah the the vulnerability uh and um sensibility of of certain um uh certain parts of certain songs mm-hmm. so there's just a lot of um i think texture as well built into that knowing that something just you know fits on top of the other layers production-wise, but also like when we do it in a live setting, like I'm deliberately put, you know, just on par with the guitars and maybe a little bit lower um, if it's the live mix. Mm -hmm. So that that feels like orchestration. That feels like, you know, a coherent thing. Like I'm not front man, front man. That's one of the things that I had have had such a hard time with death metal in a, for a long time or in deathcore and all of that, where it's just really vocal driven, but but there's nothing to you know lean back into. And I feel as a vocalist that I am contributing to a whole something I, I can't stand on my own. It's really it's yeah, it's that sense of uh, amalgamation that's that's happening, yeah. right? It's it's almost like a glue. It's it's you your performance here actually does bind everything together, and that's 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 like awesome actually. Yeah, so I wanted to actually go back to something that you said earlier, right? And uh, yeah. I, I have to give a shout out to Lisa from uh, Hold Tight PR, right? Because she's the amazing. one who kind of introduced me to Moon. And uh, when I heard Jord, I was just like, "What the fuck is this?" Because because <laughs> like. Like you said, right? Uh, it's so many different things that you'd normally think would not fit together, but it's just done so seamlessly and works so well. And 
it's very strange that you say, you know, the kind of headspace you're in or the way you kind of wrote the lyrics, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what connected to me. And like, here I am halfway around the world kind of connecting with what you wrote and the kind of things. And that's a beautiful part about music, right? Is that sometimes when you're in that certain headspace or certain mind space, music mm-hmm. comes to you at the right time. And it kind of always, you can go back, listen to that music and revisit those memories in there, right? I can totally relate. You know, it's sort of like, you know, I I always feel there are certain melodies that kind of becomes the soundtrack to different seasons in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, And sometimes some artists just, you know, without knowing it just hits that spot. Yeah. yeah. Um, And um, I'm really grateful that that's, you know, that we actually get to be that spot for some people. But it's also there's that's the gratitude of all of this, like, you know, we make something and we send it out into the universe and people take it in and make it their own. That's just, that's the beauty of music. Yeah. yeah. But um, take, take me back to like what you were talking about, that whole thing, right? Because I didn't realize there was that entire process. I thought the way I looked at it, especially looking at your live videos and all that, a lot of this stuff is like jammed together in a rehearsal room or something like that. But compared to Jordan, you said that, you know, on Diorama, it was more introspective as opposed to kind of like uh, outside looking at the world and things like that. Mm-hmm. Take me back to that moment when you heard Nikolai, right? Like mm-hmm. when you heard those riffs that they were working on in there. Take us back to that moment. Like how did that entire, like your songwriting process along with that, the lyrics with that go? I think it's, for me, it's also, it's, it's, it is actually, having that one song that defines the rest of the album actually okay um like for instance when i wrote uh your on your uh that actually made me like finish the whole album that was the 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 piece piece to the puzzle that i needed and i think on on this album it was actually two songs it was uh it was um was it, it was twist it no it was twisting oh, okay and it was diorama oh okay cool those two combined together they are both in danish that touches i know personally that that touches something like really quin yeah something a part of uh my therapeutic process of uh, a lot of um like my way of dealing with my family because um, mm-hmm. um, I don't know if you know, but it's, I, I went through a pretty hard time with uh, during your, when I entered Mill, I had um, six months uh, of, of sick leave uh, from my studies in doing social work um, or, and um, social science and, and um and I used to be like a, a believer, a, a Christian, uh, and that album kind of that half a year, I experienced a loss of faith, or at least um, that was something like existentially, like a crisis that I was going through, and it was really hard to put into words. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I know for a fact, like looking retrospective, that was my way of reconciling myself with the thought of ending up in the ground someday and not training for utopia, utopia not ending up in a heaven. Um, so that, that was what was going through my mind at that point. Uh, but with diorama, like your, or at least the your track, that is, is also in Danish. So it's, you know, that's the thing, like all of the Danish lyrics that I write, those are the most personal ones. Mm-hmm. It's a way of obscuring, having some sense of privacy. Um, so, you know, people around the globe m- might not necessarily get that really, really personal thing. But there might be Danes who are by, I know that there are Danes that are like, they're like those, what you're saying there is just, <laughs> it, yeah. you know, there's just something about your first language that ticks some, an itch. Um, and um, so it's kind of to obscure or keep something for myself in some sense that I chose those uh, lyrics to be in Danish. Yeah, so it's the same thing with with Diorama. Look, those two songs, Twisin and Diorama, um, are uh, in some sense uh, part one and part two. Interesting. So, so Twisin is really about the struggle, like final struggle. If we look at the album as an emotional narrative, that is that is the you know the great conflict. Mm-hmm. and uh diorama i see that, that as the epilogue yeah, yeah. that makes sense yeah yeah um, tell you what since we've been chatting about these two songs let's play them out right here on the podcast mm-hmm. so that people can actually listen to it and then we'll come back in and chat with kim a little bit more
Kim, given how uh, you just told us how personal these songs were, mm-hmm. right? There's one thing that I that that I kind of like asking most extreme metal or just heavy metal vocalists, mm-hmm. which is um, why choose a sonical output structure like extreme metal to articulate these thoughts and lyrics, especially when you want to share them with the world. Or do you want to share them with the world? I think, you know, no matter what you do, you you're we're all telling a story. Uh, if you're uh, an architect, you might build a building and you're telling your story by doing mm-hmm. that. Or if you're doing arts and crafts, like, you know, you do tell a story like that. If everybody talks about themselves in some sense. So I feel, you know, this is just the, this is just what I do. Um, like this is my way of of kind of um, putting things in my personal life to rest at some point. You know, it, it's I've used this as a therapeutic tool actually with my therapist, um, and like I'm really open about uh, that. Um, you know, I think mental health is just you know just really quintessential to a lot of the themes that I, I I end up um not being afraid of tapping into because it's something that I I I recognize in myself mm-hmm. um so I needed kind I always need kind of like a, a cultural hook or some sense to hang a lot of my themes and and texts on and I don't know if you know the the movie uh, hereditary uh no sorry it's a uh, horror movie okay okay that thing is fine <laughs> it, it, it's a fantastic horror movie cool i've i've watched it so many times um and um i'll just give you the, the quick plot over it but sure. um, um that's one of the reasons why it's called diorama because um it's about this uh, artist or mother and artist, like family mother. She has two children and then um, she makes uh, miniature um, models or dioramas of, of really traumatic events in her life. Okay. Um, and um, we start out uh, the, the movie with her mother's funeral and even though that her mother is the one who dies first she's just the looming presence throughout the whole movie like wow. even though so it's it's called hereditary and it's about you know you're just inherit a lot of traumas as well like yeah. and that just kind of speaks to me it spoke to me on a really deep level because i just saw how she used her art to kind of like trying to process this her therapist is actually her husband. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's tricky. And, yeah, it is, wow. and and I think that you know we don't get that, like they don't say that specifically, but I think that he has encouraged her to pursue her arts and crafts. Um, so pretty traumatic things happen in that movie, and as they are happening, she is trying to process that or depict that, like. There's an accident that happens. I won't. I won't spoil it here. But there's a pretty like 
really gruesome thing that happens like in the first half of the movie that's just it's it's heartbreaking and it's so visceral mm-hmm. and what does she do like the first thing that she does is go up to her attic and start depicting yeah, yeah. Mm. so that that trauma or that actually ends up eating her he mm-hmm. it, it, it actually ends up in a literal sense possessing her so it's a possession movie mm-hmm. um wow and uh um so that's one of the reasons why i called this diorama because there's um you know that she wants to analyze it she wants to understand those monsters that she's battling but instead of you know i think i think i've taken many of my childhood traumas and stuff like that put it up in front of me and looked at it from different sides seen the you know all the shades of dark but also the light things like really objectively trying to understand what happened um to know that i might not drag that trauma into my um my uh my coming marriage um i just got engaged this um uh this summer so i'm getting married uh, this april and there's just something in my generational i think that's the thing in this generation like you 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 have seen what your parents can drag into yeah uh, you know just a lot of stuff you know nothing comes from nothing you know if if your parents are struggling there's usually a pretty good reason why that that happens if there's something that is not dealt with so i know for a fact that is something that i had to tackle in my family mm. um so i've used actually these songs pretty personal like with my father um and um uh, put those texts in front of him like a a, a kid's drawing mm-hmm. uh and how did he and, react um, actually surprisingly well um you know it just Yeah, I would be easy. surprised if it didn't react well. It's 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 way easier to talk about things when you hold it out in front of you instead of you you did the what you yeah. did the yeah. thing like so you know it's just it was a really hard talk and and um you 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 get to a point where you know I got to a point where I just got a lot of acknowledgement that you know I can put things into words that he has never been able to because he didn't have somebody to show him to show him mm. that so i just that's one of the reasons why i see this as pretty you know and, you know song wise structure wise for me personally this is really important wow no so <laughs> you know with it i always get flummoxed by these kind of stories right because um when you actually get to know uh how personal an art is for an artist right it completely leads me to think the other way about anybody who's either trying to do a review or build a list or just listen to something and dismiss it or accept it in one listening they'll never be able to make of make a uh, make it the same way that it was intended to mm-hmm. right how do you deal with the fact that 
okay, you've you've released this album out, and people will now basically make whatever they want to make of it. I think it's just there's just a lot of beauty in that. Um, you know what? Whatever people don't you want to just hold on to it? Yeah, but you know, I think. Well, I'm also a live musician, and I really like how things can take a, a turn, or at least how I get to re-experience the songs in a live setting. Because mm-hmm. when they're performed, you know, it gets alive on its own. Many of the songs that we play on from from the Your album, I know that I've put you know different things for a uh, to kind of like fit uh, that. Um, that feeling um i've done different things that um can kind of underline specific passages um in certain things that i just experienced life doing in a life setting that just works like Mm -hmm. and i know nikolai does that for a fact too like he has some some interesting solos that suddenly appear because he has you know he knows the song to death and then there's you know something some something that just comes out of that and i think that's one of the freedoms that we have with the genre that we play because it, if it was just bpm like uh periphery <laughs> style you know <laughs> you wouldn't be able to jam like that um yeah. so we've also experienced like in a live setting something you know amazing happens especially when when you know the pa goes or anything like that we just we you know that's where the exciting things happen we end up jamming stuff and people think it's you know deliberate um, <laughs> but, but we're having the time of our lives because we just know how how well you know we have to support each other who's pushing who's pulling and uh that makes this music just so fucking alive um, <laughs> no i must say i mean like i really enjoy watching all the live videos that y'all put out because you can tell, right? Like I was just watching, I think the APW one, mm-hmm. and you can tell you guys are having fun with that. It's not like you know, you're like, oh my god, we have to get it this way. Oh yeah, that oh too, god. that thing too. But when you're playing, you know, you're playing, you're not yeah. practicing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I have to give you a bit of backstory for that one. We drove from Glasgow to London in one stretch. Uh, f- I think two, two at at two at two a.m. at night, and, wow. and we had to, you know, head into that studio and in Soho. And um, our driver, he was such a he was such a champ. Like he just pulled like two double espresso shots and a wow. red and then he went. So when we went into the studio, he was sitting next to Ken's drums in the the bass drum uh, bag sleeping um and uh we tried to get all of the gear from the street where spice girls by the way were having a reunion press conference and it was swarming and we were we were unloading on the on on the you know just outside on from the van just onto Mm. the street and then up in the building there so it was really stressful (laughs) but you know we made it and you know you know that's some of the the experiences that will still like where everybody will in, in the band remembers that and are like yeah that was 
kind of hardcore but also really fun <laughs> wow that's a great story like down down that watching those videos is just going to give me like a complete different thing right i'm exhausted <laughs> you're going to be thinking about spice girls now i'm going to be well not going to lie i did listen to them growing up so why not? Uh-huh. i did too everybody did did yeah. you animate oh no i did i even watched the movie you wow. did yep wow there's a spice girls movie yeah i, I remember it. that one i just watched watched the documentary about them it's really uh, a documentary about the spice girls yeah 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 like uh, a lot of years after and it's actually pretty good because it's about uh feminism and how um you know how it is you oh, know being those those girls in a in a in a in a really men dominated yeah. industry yeah. and yeah there's a and story how, there yeah, yeah and I like need to check this one out. you just you just see like uh uh scary spice being really fucking scary going up in the face <laughs> of one of the uh, in one of the um, uh, the directors who, who's like you you know why you you're telling me that you know to show more legs and stuff like that you're talking about my friend right here like who who are you to say stuff like that get the fuck out of here like it's really you know and there's just uh 25 guys who are like oh, I like it's that's some that is some level of pressure that you have to go through right uh, yeah. so like it, it's really nice to see that backdrop story like who also went for it career wise like Gary Gary Halliway she was kind of like a really pretty determined woman mm-hmm. and who also yeah. made it afterwards yep true um so there's just as a as a guy in the industry or at least on the fringes of music industry like it's just in, interesting to look at their career and see how well they kept themselves or didn't yeah mm. We we never get a chance to kind of ask a lot of musicians this, so I'm going to ask you. You this is your first album on Nuclear Blast, right? Mm-hmm. And in the last month or prior to that, also you would have seen the kind of difference. And in a way, Nuclear Blast is considered as a major in the, at least the metal uh, in there. What's it's the biggest, the biggest independent one, right? At yeah. Least. And, yeah. And and w- what what's that been like? I mean, just the kind of. Did that influence you? Your you? Uh, I mean, any? Did it change anything about how you guys wrote your music and forget writing your music and how you guys get promoted and merchandise, etc., no. etc. Et you know, we had a finished album when we approached them. Ooh. Oh wow! So they were like, "Yeah, that's cool," <laughs> and we were like, "They're like, yeah, we're taking what you're offering." Like, uh, that was pretty cool. It's a it's a big step of confidence for a, a big firm like that i know that we were a wild card in some sense like mm-hmm. we're not you know but i think that company has also changed a lot like they've had a lot of um, restructuring and a lot of new people in um, and i think something is happening in the at least the record label industry of some sense of you know um, a bigger willingness to collaborate Uh, and not just be those um, fat cats with the stacks of money uh, but also like you know trying to you know work with artists um, mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why i like like that a lot of artists are focusing at least more on the 
the legal side of things like you're not just uh, you know sh- signing your album off uh, for now and eternity throughout the galaxy uh, for no like you know what you're worth in, in a better better sense you make sure to have a lawyer and stuff like that mm-hmm. and um, and go have you know business people uh, on your team that understands that it's also a business not just the arts um that was actually pretty es- essential for us like we're really happy about our manager Mies, and and we've also been kind of self-managed through a lot of um our past so it's it's knowing what you do in, in that sense so that you know if if you know if we were to be dropped by a label by any sense like we would also know how to um, yeah yeah or how to work through it mm-hmm Mm-hmm. um so it's it, it, but yeah obviously like nuclear is is it is massive for us it is like it's just so great at least for the if you look on the on the day-to-day um assignments like it's just so great for at least for me i do a lot of the social media like to have somebody to to spar with and coordinate with mm-hmm. like a whole team dedicated to do that and um like essentially be helping us like they're doing this full time right and we're all everybody all of us are we have day jobs <laughs> so it, it's just it's just a really big help uh, at least for if you're thinking on it as a career choice we were really lucky <laughs> uh in some sense like I don't know if you, but like Holy Roar just imploded. Like, it yeah. Really yeah, yeah. I think we were kind of lucky that we knew that people were on the lookout. Like Century Media was pretty, they had a lot of presence when we were doing uh, like uh, European tours, like every second venue. I ju- we just met some from them and they're, they're like, we're watching you. Um, so <laughs> that's That's nice, right? It is, it is, especially when they put people on the ground like that. So we we were sure that people knew that we could all not only deliver like music, but also a live outfit that's yeah. you know just as great. I think mm. that's pretty quintessential. And then the expression, like a coherent package of these three things, you know, then the rest of it that's luck. You know, uh, that's actually if people will play you and like your music, that's always the gamble. Like, but when we hear people from the industry, like, you know, listen to it and say like, yeah, that's, that's legitimately good. Like, well, we won't change anything. Then you're, you know, you just, it, it actually boosts your, or at least reaffirms the confidence that you go into, to things, um, with and knowing that you know you followed your gut feeling and I know that we did that for a lot of the things that we have done it's interesting you say that because this automatically makes me want to ask you about the future and what's 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 weird is i know it's extremely early to even ask you guys about album number 3 or what the future holds for mal as such given what you just said about getting onto a bigger label etc etc do you think now that there'll be more pressure as such to live up to i think we can do what we want in some sense uh but uh, you know 
there are no promises. I think we will always disappoint somebody. We did disappoint somebody <laughs> with this. Uh, but, you know, um, I think there's just a lot of, I have a lot of respect for bands who try to do things on their terms um, and try things out. I don't know. It's not to diss like ACDC or Slayer or, but you know, you know, they, they've recreated a lot of their albums throughout the years, right? They have their sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just really like the boldness of some, that some artists, you know, uh, explore not for the industry's sake, but for themselves. No matter if you, I, I'm actually a Parkway Drive fan and I really like the old stuff and I really hate the new stuff. Uh, but, you know, I respect their choices as an artist uh, doing this because um, they really, I know they want to play like uh, stadium shows. That's pretty fucking good. And that yep. music that they make right now, that's fucking stadium rock. Like, um, I believe that's the case with a lot of bands like Gucciera as well. Um, uh, I really like Terra Incognita and all of that like uh, Morbid Angel worship that they used to do back in the day. <laughs> I'm really into that. I, I, I love it. Um, but but at the same time, I can I also respect the journey that they've been on mm-hmm. and not not catering to anybody, but you know, doing their thing. And, and I must add here, then creating that new guitar effect for the next five years, right? That every band will kind of emulate. It's it's become their signature sound. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and they got it from somewhere. <laughs> well, if you hear like that, that's just Morbid Angel, man. It's it's yeah, but I mean, even besides that, they they keep they yeah. keep making this attempt of trying to find figure out a new way of doing it, right? Mm. Yeah, but yeah. I, I believe on the new album, like when I heard Born for the One Thing, I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like that's, that's the, that's the oh, Gucci that's guy the, I want. That's the yeah. stuff. That's the stuff. Um, yeah, and Fortitude was, was pretty good. I actually mm-hmm. really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah me too. Um, I think there's a lot of uh, the vibes that I get from a lot of uh, the, uh, like the um, new metal part of uh, sepultura like roots and stuff like that it, 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 there's just something going on right there where i can't put a finger on it but but i just see similarities and i know like joe did work with max carrera on you know carrera conspiracy so i think maybe yeah, yeah. the tribalism thing True. Um, yeah and well they did have a song Amazonia. Amazonia. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty cool yeah, yeah. That, that was pretty cool yeah mm-hmm. Wow, we've been chatting for a really long time now. And Kim, thank you so much for sparing so much of your time with us. I know you're, uh, as you told us, you are with family and we're keeping you away from them. So we'll let you go at the moment, but uh, hopefully we get to talk again soon. I hope so too. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, you know, I was very excited uh, at the opportunity of Mm. uh, speaking to you, especially, like I said, how much uh, George meant to me. And now I know I'm saying it wrongly, but yeah, that, <laughs> that, I just blame my uh, Indianness and uh, not being Danish <laughs> in there. No. Like, to, to be just to be honest, I actually had to go look up how to exactly pronounce Mool. <laughs> and I went to a Danish pronounce. 
you're you're not the only one like the rest <laughs> of the english speaking nations they're doing the same thing we so. get confused when we see anything additional on yeah. an alphabet <laughs> yeah exactly uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, is that a fancy o <laughs> <laughs> do check out diorama and let us know what you thought about it definitely what i would recommend start listening to the first song pause the record come back listen to this conversation and then go on and finish the album because yeah. then it'll give you a completely different perspective so tell us how you felt as always you can reach out to us at honsapod.com i am on twitter at asmoani uh, honsap is on twitter at honsappod i'm at trendcrusher kema okay, you on twitter i am what's do you want to share your id yeah that's uh, k s uh, S T E R N K A K O P F yeah and uh, that is also my instatech awesome so you know where to find kim now mm-hmm. <laughs> that'll be all gentlemen this was horns up horns up guys <laughs>